we're not in a sermon series. We finished up that last week. And um, got a couple of weeks where we're in the standalone. And um, <clears throat> in the last week, couple of weeks have been pretty heavy. Uh, so I was like, we're going to go light this week, <laughs> um, which is not actually that light because I don't know that we know how to do light here. Uh, <laughs> like, we just, I just, I think it's me. I'm too intense sometimes. <laughs> but um, uh, we're talking, uh, Unison is a multi-ethnic church family. Like, that's something that we're joyfully, um, we joyfully live out. That's not just something that happened because it just happened. Like, there was some intentionality in that. I remember when we were first launching um, and talking with people who might be a part of the launch team for Unison eight and a half years ago, and like, yes, we want you to come and be a part of Unison because of all of the skills and talents and things that you'll bring to helping us get off the ground, but we also want you to be a part of Unison because you're Puerto Rican. <laughs> Um, and or you're black and or you are of Irish descent and or dot 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 that was a part of every conversation because this part of the world is ethnically diverse this is not this even when we think about this part of Grand Rapids the 49507 zip code is incredibly ethnically diverse it's not like Hudsonville <laughs> right it's not like Wyoming. It's a very unique kind of blend that, um, honestly, the Holy Spirit would not let us ignore. And so it's intentional that we look the way we do. And every once in a while, we, um, I want to preach about that. <laughs> um, and so today's that. Um, and the title of the sermon is called Inherited Unity. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Well, actually, we're going to hit a couple of other portions of Scripture too, but if I were to say there's a place where I'd like for you to like land, highlight in your Bibles, fold the little thing at the top. If your Bible's not backlit like mine, you get to fold a piece of paper. Fold the piece of paper at Galatians <laughs> chapter 3, um, and we'll get into that um, in just a moment. Before that, though, I need to go all the way to the end of the story, because we've talked about this before here at Unison. This is not new. If you're new, welcome. You about to get the deep dive into how we talk about ethnic diversity here. We do. It's candid. I'm black. <laughs> okay. Always been black. And, and according to Revelation, I'm always going to be black, <laughs> right? So let's, let's get into Revelation chapter 5 real quick. Verses, uh, verse 9 says, um, and they sang a new song with these words. Let me pause for a moment and give you some context. This is after John, who wrote Revelation, has written all these letters to the churches and he has been taken up to heaven in this vision, and he sees the splendor and the glory of the throne room, and it's wonderful. And Jesus shows up as this lamb, and before that, they were all mad because there was a scroll that nobody could open, <laughs> right? Jesus shows up as a lamb, starts walking in like a boss. I imagine it in slow motion, <laughs> epic music, strings, the French horn going, right? 
And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That would be something to highlight. Right? If you're going to be kicking it with unison, you'll hear that quite a bit. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's not the primary text, but that's not the only time that kind of language shows up. It also shows up in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Every tribe Every language, every people, every nation, it is like making sure that we know, listen, it's a diverse group of people up here. It don't look like what you, it doesn't look like your family reunion. <laughs> it looks like this significant mass of different kinds of people in Revelation 7, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 9, that same kind of phrasing is there. And it's this unnumbered amount of people gathered around the throne behind Israel, like, yo, from every nation, tribe, tongue, people. I love to remember and remind ourselves, remind us that one of the only things that goes with you into eternity. You get a new name. <laughs> Age doesn't matter because eternity is what we're looking at. It's on the fence about whether or not you'll be married or not because there's no giving and receiving in marriage there. All of the, your job no longer matters. But something you take with you is your ethnicity. There's something eternally relevant about the fact that I'm black. There's something eternally relevant about the fact that you come from the ancestry that you come from. Because John made it so that we got to see that language show up in Scripture multiple times. And just in case you were unsure about what John might have meant by diversity, every tribe, every language, every tongue, like every nation, every people, let there be no ambiguity. The way humanity looks before new earth is the way humanity looks after new earth, just without all the separation. That's at the end. I'm going to take you to the beginning of the church. We're going to get to Galatians in just a second, but we got to, we got to build our way there. In Acts chapter 2. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture. If you've been hanging around a church for any length of time, you probably have heard this. And if you're new, listen, because this is an important moment in the history of the church. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. This is all the people that were following Jesus before he resurrected. They were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Y'all know this 
Some of you are getting happy now. You're getting your tongues ready. No, <laughs> right? Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And sometimes we stop there. And I want us to keep going. And that time, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Have you ever thought about that? There were devout Jews already <laughs> from every nation, which nation means people groups, all kinds of people groups already living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, because they heard it too, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. I need us to pause because I know that we, we stop at that, that portion of Scripture before as a way of talking about speaking in tongues. And I'm for it. I'm great. Let's, that's cool. But I, if we continue going, there's something important happening here. There's something important about the heart of God that's on display here. These devout Jews from all over the place, having their own different mother tongues, right? Languages from the people of their origins being spoken. It continues, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaim? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So I need us to see a map for a second, <laughs> right? Because I'm a little bit of a nerd, y'all know that. Like, we're talking about this general region. See, like, when you hear all of those names, nothing shows up in our head. Go to that next map for me. Like, that pin in the middle, that's where they were all hanging out. But the little pins all around is where they all came from. Amen. Visually, you need to understand this is the only world they know. <laughs> so when they say from all over the place, literally this is all over the place. It's not like us. Some of y'all jump on your flights on Delta or United and you just travel the world and you see people from all over the place. But this is the only world they know because they got donkeys taking them wherever they go. <laughs> right? They can't just jump on and, and, and come over here to what is now the Americans, you know, American colonies. Or excuse me, not colonies, but uh, continents. They can't just do that. This is the only world. And every single pin is representative of a completely different culture, a completely different language, a completely different, like, their history, who they are is different, and they're already Jews. 
And I need that to sink in for a minute. Because sometimes we pretend that God didn't start caring about diversity until <laughs> like later on in the New Testament. This was already happening. It's actually always been a part of God's heart for that to be the case. Before we move, I just need, like, this is not our world. I get it. But every single time you fill out a document, you have to put a pin somewhere. Some of you would put a pin on if you are African-American or black, if that's where you would check. I just need a wave real quick. Like, if you filling out a census data, yes, some of you would say that you are Hispanic. That, that part where it said ethnicity, like Hispanic. Just a wave real quick. Some of you would actually select white or Caucasian. Just a wave real quick. Some of us would put Asian or Pacific Islander. Anybody that's that. That's that. Yes, let's go. Look, Jay was like, me. <laughs> Some of us, we don't even know, so we would put other. <laughs> Some of us, we got so many things coming through us because we did that ancestry DNA thing. <laughs> And you go on there to see every time it updates. They're like, oh, I'm a little bit more Nigerian than I was last week. Like, <laughs> you, you, you put other. Some of us would check Native American or American Indian. We would have pins from different places. And... That is not new, but it is unique in that we get to see that in our one sanctuary. Right? That's the thing that is different or unique. I'm going to keep going with this last two verses. They stood there amazed and perplexed. This was after hearing all their languages and us seeing the pens. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. <laughs> I want us to have something in the, our back pocket about this portion of Scripture. The church is and has always been multi-ethnic. From the beginning, it always has been. That's not always how our individual congregations look. Let's just, I told you we're candid. Monday through Saturday, well, let me, put, let me back up. Monday through Friday, historically, post-emancipation of American slaves, we had to figure out how to do life together Monday through Friday and then return to our people's on the weekend. It's okay. That is the world that we have inherited. We have inherited a world that says y'all can figure out how to work together and you can figure out how to learn together after 1968. You can figure out how to pay your taxes together. You can figure out how to serve in wars together. You can figure out how to do all these things, but don't worry about figuring out how to worship together because that's, that's not important. 
But the church has actually been multi-ethnic from the beginning. And we've actually always had the means to actually not have to just figure it out, but to live it well. That's actually where we get into Galatians. I told you we were going to get there. Galatians chapter 3. Because Paul is beginning to talk to them about what it is that we are living out. Even though they were Jews from all over the place, they could stay, they could keep their culture as their primary identity. I get to be a, I get to be from Judea and I'm a Jew. I get to be from, from Libya and I'm a Jew. I, you get to keep those as your primary identity and Paul is beginning to help that be reshaped. The Holy Spirit is working through Paul to say, I want to kind of just flip some things real quick. He says this in Galatians, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I'm pausing there for a moment because I know that we change our clothes every day, Lord willing. I still got people learning how to do that in my house. So, like, <laughs> so I know that we change our clothes every day, Lord willing. <laughs> right? That's not what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying here is that what people see of me is different than what they have seen of me before. What people know of me. And culturally speaking, they would wear clothing that was reflective of their cultures. So when you're putting on new clothes, it's like putting on a new identity. Because that's what Paul is actually talking about. I'm putting on something and people see something different of me than they've seen before. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I will never grow tired of telling y'all that I shudder every single time I see the word slave in Scripture. I do. I have to pause for the cause because I will take my pain into whatever I read next after I cease the word slave. I don't watch too many, I don't watch Roots too many times. I just watched Till this week. I love the story of the triumph of my people over oppression. And every single time I see the word slave in scripture, I struggle. <laughs> I don't have to keep them separate. I struggle, so I have to pause. Because what, even though Paul is not talking about how that played out in our country, it's still applicable. If you are the descendant of slave owners, you are not primarily known by the identity of your freedom from slavery anymore. If you are the descendant of slaves, you are not primarily known 
by the identity of descendant of slaves. That's no longer our primary identity. Doesn't mean the pain's not there, it just means that's not my primary identity. That's what it means to be in Christ. When we say that we have been adopted into this family through the resurrection of Christ, that doesn't mean that my cultural identity no longer matters. Yeah, it matters. It's important. That's why John wanted to make sure he told everybody that they look like that up there. It's just not the primary way I see myself. And it's not the primary way I want to be seen. The primary way that I want to be seen is through my relationship with Christ, which is incredibly controversial, and it's a paradox for us to live in because I'm going to have to keep checking boxes that say I'm black. And I will do so with joy. I like being black. (laughs) I've worked through the pain and the shame that came along with what my ancestors could give me. Told you we're candid because that's the reality of what it looks like for us to do this together. We actually have to work through that. See, the one beautiful thing, the one challenge of worshiping with people who look like me, sing like me, jump and run around a room like me, is I don't have to work through that. That's a benefit of being in my corner so I can be as vulnerable and as, like, I can get down to how do I feel like I want to worship God naturally? Everybody around me is doing it, and it feels good, and I don't have to work through the pain and the shame of what my ancestors could give me. If that's not where you come from, it's easier for you, too, for you to be in your space of vulnerability with people who look like you, sound like you, eat what you eat. The potlucks, you know what to expect if you do them, because Eunice and we are struggling with potlucks. Maybe it's because we don't know what to bring. I'm just, I'm just saying, it just came to me. Some of you are new, like new. We struggle doing potlucks around here because nobody signs up. I think because we don't know what to bring. You can bring green bean casserole and collard greens. (laughs) You can bring potato salad with raisins. (laughs) Or don't. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just (laughs) listen. (laughs) It's difficult. It is an additional challenge to have both the humility and the courage to look at the pain and the shame that we have inherited because regardless of what you check, I know that the national conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion 
is that white folks don't have a lot of pain or shame in the conversation. That is not true. You have a lot of pain and shame that you've inherited as well. And it requires a lot of humility and courage to look at it and to work through it with the Holy Spirit so that when you get into this sanctuary and you see your Asian and or Pacific Islander sister and or brothers, the first thing you see is Jesus, not just the fact that they look different than you. I know that the national conversation is that people of color, we've been the ones who have been oppressed, so we're the ones who have the pain and the shame, and that's true. Yes, it's true. But if we're not willing to see and acknowledge the shame that we've inherited as a, to- as a whole, then what will end up happening is we will disregard and silence the shame that's happening in our white sisters and brothers, and we won't see Jesus in them clearly when we show up here. We have to work through that. That doesn't just happen. I know the beautiful thing is being in Christ makes us family, but it's work to be friends. That's just the truth. That doesn't just happen because we're in Christ. That's intentional. So we are family with every all black or all white or all Hispanic or all Chinese or all anything else congregation in Grand Rapids. We're family with them. The church has always been multi-ethnic. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're friends because that requires some intentionality. We are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. From the beginning of the church, and actually even before the church, God cared about diversity. Like, it didn't... Like some of us don't know this, but even in Jewish custom and in their culture and in their religion, if you wanted to be a Jew, all you had to say is, I want to be a Jew and start living Jewish life. It didn't really matter where you came from. It didn't matter who your daddy was. It didn't matter who your mama was. You want in? Come on in. <laughs> That's always been the case. That's why people from all over that map could already do that before Jesus was even born, because that's always been God's heart. The difference is the Holy Spirit is what allows us to be able to work through all of those challenging things that we've inherited, which have been stained by, wrapped in, and sullied by sin to get us to this place where we can actually inherit what Abraham was promised from God. So something that we can keep in the back pocket real quick before we even move on. Unity within diversity displays the heart of God. That's kind of, that's a, that's just, 
I would say that's unison 101 as it relates to how we think about diversity. The whole point of all of this reconciliation work that Jesus is doing with humanity, yes, he wants to reconcile our relationship to the Father, but also wants to reconcile our relationship to one another. And everything that's in between you and I, you and I, Jesus wants to flatten. Here's what I want to make sure that I, that I say. Not get rid of. Just lower the volume on it. Because we have been taught here to see each other by primarily what our eye color is, our nose shape, our hair texture, whether or not we tan, whether or not, like, that's how we've been taught to see each other. Look for those markers. Mm. Like, and we, we, when we're in like a mixed group ethnically, we don't necessarily say it first. But when we're around our people, the first thing we say, like, oh, it was a black guy. Oh, it was a white guy. <laughs> that's one of the first things we say because that's how we've been taught to see one another. What if, what if the first thing that we saw and the first thing that we said was this is a Christ follower? Because that's really what the point is. Not to say that the other ones don't matter. He's a Christ follower and he's black. <laughs> that's what Paul is trying to get at. And you're like, I don't even know how to do that. I know it requires a lot of humility and a lot of courage to actually walk through the shame and the pain that we've all inherited to get to a space where the first thing you can see or the first thing you can sense is not whether or not a person came from an ethnic background, but who they have allegiance to spiritually. It's possible. It's possible. Some of you have been walking with Christ for long enough where you are next to somebody in the grocery store and you feel it. Like, oh, I can tell they love Jesus. <laughs> That's actually more like who we are supposed to be as Christ followers. That's the first thing I should be feeling for, looking for in a person. And my oneness with that individual and my connectedness with them displays the heart of God when I'm willing to lower the volume on my ethnic pride or my ethnic shame. Both of them actually need to have a lower volume. And that's really difficult for us. I want you to hear me clearly. I ain't telling you to get rid of it. Just saying, swap the priority. This picture um, is my favorite picture from Unison. I love showing it. I feel like it displays who we are well. I love this picture of us. It's just a few of us, I get it. But even when we were doing the, uh, the pictures, for um, the Colossian Forum, I, there were about 15, 20 people that started off, and I was just looking at the group. I'm like, man, that, man, we're a diverse group of people. Like, they, uh, this actually happened. 
That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And more and more, the more I actually hang out with the Holy Spirit, the more I'm convinced that is the more challenging thing that God is actually most glorified in. I've told you all before, but some of you, this will be the first time you've heard this. When I first left, like, being a part of all black church traditions, I quickly got the sellout um, name tag, if you will. I was called a sellout. I was chasing after money. (laughs) Just being honest and vulnerable. And the beginning of that journey for me was more difficult than I've always articulated because I don't want to be seen as a sellout from the people who raised me. I don't. And I like gospel music. And I want it hard. And I want it long. And I want to repeat the same thing 30 times. I want that. I'm just saying. This is being honest. That's why I listen to that when I'm not with y'all. No, no, right? The only thing on my playlist is all gospel, right? Because that's what I want. I, I want it that way. And consistently the Holy Spirit inviting me to, yep, you get to keep that and something else is happening that I need the world to see. I know that some of you, when you come here, it's louder than you want it to be. And we sing longer than you want to. And if we repeat that verse one more time, in Jesus' name, I'm walking out. I'm just being honest. And you are invited to, there's something that I need the world to see. That means that everybody in this room turns down the volume on their preferences, turn down the volume on where they've come from, turn down the volume on what pain and shame they bring in, not because it's not important, but because the first thing I need you all to see is the same kind of sacrifice that I've made, which is to die to myself so that the glory of God can be revealed in my selflessness. That is, the church is always going to be multi-ethnic. That ain't something you got to do. You don't have to make that happen. But if you're going to be a part of a multi-ethnic congregation, then that means that just because it's the way that you want it doesn't mean that's the way we're going to do it. And that's not because we don't like you. It's because there's something that the world needs to see that they can't see in an all-white congregation. There's something that the world needs to see that they can't see in an all-black congregation. There's something that the world needs to see, and that is that the power of God and the reconciling work of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to overcome all of the things that y'all brought into this room. 
And we have not been loud enough about that as the church. We keep trying to figure it out and recycling DEI training after DEI training and Institute for Healing Racism and this workshop and this conference and this book and this. And what I'm saying is, yes, it takes work, but we've always had the key to it. We've always had the ability to come in this room and be real humans and vulnerable and not have on masks. And it is in our dependence upon the Holy Spirit and our love of one another. And the moment that we live that out, that is no more just a picture. That's who we are. And that is something the world needs to see. I know we want them to memorize Scripture, but they need to see Scripture lived out in our reconciliation. I know we want to give them tracts, and I know we want to make sure that they're not cussing in front of babies. (laughs) But if they don't see this for real lived out, then it really doesn't matter. If If this is not what they see, there is a God who is able to reconcile humanity. Humanity inherited separation from our earthly fathers. And our heavenly father invites us to inheritance of healing and unity. I told you Grand Rapids is unique. There's a whole book and a documentary about to be made about it. It's called A City Within a City. Some of you have read that book before. You're familiar with it. You inherited a city within a city. That city within a city is the black freedom struggle of Grand Rapids, and it's not just about blacks. It's really all minority people's struggle in Grand Rapids. And it's real. It's a real struggle. Read the book. It's great. Solid. But a part of a part of the challenge of multi-ethnic ministry is that we've inherited that. That's what we were given. None of us in this room were born or none of us online was born and we made that up. Ah, let's just separate people by skin color. That's something we were born into. And so just as much as the things you like to eat are a part of your inheritance, so is the separation. And that's what we've been, and that's what we've inherited. But in Christ, we've been invited to an inheritance that actually heals our broken humanity. Two different books. I'm actually encouraging you to read them. They're really good. They're really good. Because here's what I know that you're hearing. Read books that expose the oppression. Do it. Please. Yes. Read books that talk about the separation. Yes, have language about it. Have ways to articulate it. Absolutely. You need to be able to do that as a part of a multi-ethnic congregation. If you can't, you're just here and you're showing up because you like the music or you like the preaching or you just, that's what you're showing up because you feel like it. But if you're actually going to be a part of this, you have to have language for it. And it can't just be good enough for you to smile about the fact that you go to a multi-ethnic church. If you're not a part of this multi-ethnic church, this is not who you are. It's, I'm challenging you to go a little bit further. Push a little bit deeper into that. 
One, it's intentionality. Yes, that's the work that we do. But don't just stop at the articulation part. Because if you never actually get to the hope of what we actually are doing this about, then you're just cycling around in pain. We are a foretaste of what is coming in new earth, which is unity amongst all the different kinds of people. I'm encouraging you to live it. It was just a few, just a few years ago, maybe a couple years ago, that I got to a space where I could say about um, our, our staff, and, and I've said this here before, but I want to remind us of it. Um, this is the only place I come where I forget the consequences, the social consequences of blackness. This is the only place for that for me. Everywhere else I go, I know that I carry what this world sees, what this society sees and that it doesn't like. All of the stereotypes and all of the things, I just know that that's how, that is what it is. And I don't want you to have to necessarily carry that for me, but I want you to know that when I'm here, I get relief from it. Amen. That's the point. Amen. That's the point. That's the point. That is a hope, I'm telling you, as a person who has carried the pain and the shame of racial oppression in this country, I need relief walking into a room full of white people. And the reason why it's more comfortable for me to be in a room full of black people is because we all get it, so we all get to put it down at the same time. But you have the opportunity as a multi-ethnic church to provide that and it have nothing to do with our skin color. That's the point for all of us. I'm just telling you about my journey, but you all have your thing. Every single one of us have our thing. That's, I, that's just my part of it. But I'm telling you that the same peace and relief that I receive when I show up here, you can too. And I'm telling you now, the journey to that is humility and courage. But my desire is that we all experience that. Because that is what reconciliation, that's what it looks like to be one in Christ. And if we can't get there, will fizzle out and will return back to our families of origin. And the church will still go on being multi-ethnic, but Grand Rapids will not have this witness that the Holy Spirit can do something that every DEI training cannot. <laughs> can heal our broken humanity. My invitation to you, church family, is to that work. My invitation is that that doesn't become the main thing of who we are. The gospel is going to always be our primary goal. That's what we do. It's the mission of the church is to make disciples. But if we aren't making disciples that want to look like this, <laughs> then we're not doing our job well. And so I actually want to give us a minute. 
I want to give us a second before we just move on. Because I actually want the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind a barrier that you have. And for some of us, that's going to be a little bit painful. I want to, I'm not going to say, now open up all that pain box and then just go home with it. Nope. But I do want us to give some room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us before we just move on. And that wasn't just a good idea. So just for a minute, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to take any notes. Just for a minute, let's pause. Holy Spirit, you see what keeps me from being a friend with my sister or brother of a different ethnic group. It may be more than one thing, but will you show me the first one that you want to tackle first? Holy Spirit, will you give us a conviction that is more than just a desire to be aesthetically diverse? Give us more than a desire to just see difference among us, but to know the difference and embrace and love the difference that's there. Give us eyes to see the beauty of the diversity of people here. When I'm with someone who comes from a completely different background, give me eyes to see the beauty and to find you in it, Jesus. Convict me when who I have been and who and where I came from matters more to me than who I am in you. And redirect me, God. Lord, will you give us the grace to bring all of our cultures and all of our languages and all of our recipes and all of who we are to display your beauty and your glory in a way that Grand Rapids needs. We'll give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.